This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Stacey Grizzly. Hello, friends and neighbors. Welcome to North Atlanta's Good Neighbor Podcast. Today, we are back again with one of our favorites, Dr. Jason Kaplan with Kaplan Orthodontics here in Dunwoody. How are you, Dr. Kaplan? I, I am doing great. Thank you so much, Stacey, for having me back on the program. It's it's really nice to be able to share some thoughts and really just hang out with you. So um, I'm excited <laughs> about today's, today's topic. It's always a good a good conversation between us. I enjoy it just as much as you do and are so happy to have you back on. We Thank have you. today, we have you on to discuss one of the, your expert articles from Dunwoody Neighbors a few, a few issues ago, um, editions ago, I guess I should say there. <laughs> and that term sounded like my magazine has issues and it does not. <laughs> right? We all I mean, have our own issues. The magazine's amazing. It, it has no issues. They're fantastic. <laughs> None whatsoever, ever. <laughs> well, so um, the title of your article was Does My Seven-Year-Old Need Braces? And this was an intriguing um, title for me. Uh, in this, It's going to date all the way back. I'm not going to tell my age exactly. But when I was uh, the little sister and my brother was three years older than I am, and he got braces in the first grade. And I was the most jealous little sister you could have imagined because I wanted braces too. And then when I got, and, and I remember my mom telling me, well, wait till you're in first grade. <laughs> I'm sure you'll need them then too. And then when I got to first grade, I did not need them. <laughs> so I know that back in my day, there were, you know, different phases and sometimes they'd put on preliminary braces and then take those off. And then you had to get on new braces later, which was the case in my, my brother's situation. So um, go ahead and, and just dive in with us, Dr. Kaplan, and tell us about why you chose this article and, and what it brings to our audience. You know, the, the reason why I thought this was a really good topic is because we get a lot of siblings that come into the office, little brother, little sister, running around and we hear that exact same statement from parents like one day you're going to get braces too because your teeth are all crowded your dentist has already told us and people always wonder like what is the right age even dentists are are wondering what is the the right age to refer a patient over because there's no sense in adding the orthodontist to your your rounds of of you know sports and music lessons writing whatever it is that you that you're doing to have just another appointment to visit just for giggles, right? We want to have like a purpose to be able to come in and, and to get uh, an understanding of what's going on. So orthodontists, one of our main focuses is about growth and development. And we're looking at how does the face grow? How do the jaws grow? Do we have enough room for teeth or the teeth coming in at the right time? So seven is really like a, it's a golden time. It's actually the time that the American Association of Orthodontists recommends uh, patients to be seen by an orthodontist, encourages our, our friends who are general dentists and pediatric dentists to send, send children our way. Even if we don't do anything, it gives us a good opportunity to take a, a baseline and see how are they doing? Are our teeth erupting the way they're supposed to? Are the jaws too narrow? Maybe there's some social concerns. Maybe we've got a, 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 a patient who's a super athlete, but has, you know, for lack of a better term, buck teeth that stick out and maybe those are susceptible to trauma. So, you know, we're looking at a number of things when, when the patient comes in, but most importantly, the only way we're going to be successful 
is like anybody else having a success with another person is having a relationship. So when we get that opportunity to meet somebody at age seven and ask them how their day was at school and, you know, who's their favorite Pokemon or, you know, what TV show are they watching or games are they playing on their parents' iPad or phone as their parents are trying to like grab it away from them because they just can't let go of this, this digital babysitter. Um, you know, we, we, we get the opportunity to develop a rapport with, with these patients and it's really necessary because we're asking a lot of these kids and we're asking a lot all the time how to brush their teeth. You know, you got to brush and floss. What first grader is flossing? I mean, it, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. So we're asking the parent to listen very carefully about the things that we need in order to be successful so their child can have the smile that they want. So we develop that relationship. We give an update on at age seven or eight or nine, um, you know, this seven to 11 period is really the, the perfect age range to see how kids are doing, uh, kind of alleviate some anxieties that they may have, stop some habits like thumb sucking that they may, may be doing. But we get to develop this rapport. We get to give the parents a baseline on what's going on. The jaws are too narrow. We take an x-ray many times. If, uh, if an adult tooth hasn't come in or we see that it looks a little narrow, we want to find out, can we predict into the future with, um, with some accuracy, is there going to be enough room and start preparing the family and the patient for what's coming ahead. But it's, it's awesome being with, with, with young kids and, and being able to, to engage them because they all know about braces. Every single one of them knows about braces. <laughs> They have a sibling who's got them. They've got a friend who's got an older sibling who's got them. Their parents may be wearing braces or, or aligners. And they're just curious about that next thing that makes them older, right? They're always looking, I, I'm going to be a big boy. I'm going to be a big girl. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this or big person. I, I want to <laughs> be older. So we get, we get some really good opportunities then. So out of the, 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 I mean, now, obviously this is, you're not going to have the statistic <laughs> right here to give, but out of, you know, patients who do, or, or, or parents who do bring in their children at that early stage, you know, it, is it really, how often is it really time for them to be put into braces, you know, for oh. that phase one and then phase two, does that happen frequently still? Or if you were to look at percentages of, of patients, patients in my practice, I will tell you that. In the, in the child portion of my practice, let's say it's 50-50, just to make numbers very simple. So I have 50% I mm -hmm. of my patients are over the age of 18, and let's say 50% of my patients are under the age of 18. And of those that we're treating, only about 3 to 5% are actually phase one cases. So to define a phase one or temporary braces or first stage braces, this is a of a, a small portion of time, let's say about maybe 12 months, maybe at the most 18 months, where we're targeting a specific growth problem. So growth problem could be the maxilla, the upper jaw is too narrow. We need to expand it because the patient's in a crossbite, meaning that the, the lower jaw does not fit properly within the confines of the upper jaw. Think of it like a, a shoe and a foot, right? So if you have a shoe that's too small, you can't fit your foot in it. It would Kind of bust out the sides. So we got to make sure that we have a shoe that's wide enough to fit over the foot. So we look at that. Um, and we look at uh, how much space is available for the adult teeth to come in. Uh, we, we look at other types of habits. Uh, we're, we're looking for 
Uh, excess space as well. So, you know, maybe a patient is concerned that they're too gappy. Uh, we'll take space any day over no space uh, as in the profession. Uh, but when, then we also have a social anxiety. And, and to touch on mental health just for a moment, kids are bombarded with pictures of perfection and people posting online, even if they don't have social media, they see it. It's there. Their parents are on it and they see what like an, an ideal smile is. And remember, kids are kids and elementary school and middle school can be brutal. So, you know, when when kids have something that doesn't look right, they, they get self-conscious about it. So, you know, we're there to, to to reassure them and starting at that age seven is is really good. But the initial answer to your question is a very small percentage of at least my practice is phase one or first phase treatment. And then we go, after we complete that, we go into a holding pattern, sometimes for four or five years, watching their growth and development and making sure that, you know, if they have a retainer, that that retainer is doing what it's supposed to do. If they don't, that they're not relapsing from their initial treatment. Um, if they were not ready for treatment at age seven, eight, nine, we still observe them because there are issues that can come up that we can't see. I mean, without an x-ray, we have a very hard time understanding if the teeth underneath the gums are really coming in in the right direction. So having the ability to make contact once or twice a year really helps the parent understand what's happening with their child. I mean, think about school. If the teacher only gave you a hello at the beginning and, and then not another report up until the very end, you'd wonder like, what's going on with my child? Well, the same thing happens with teeth. You know, we, we like to be able to share, here's how things are progressing, good or need some help. Well, so I, this is, and, and I don't know the answer to this. So <laughs> this is not a rhetorical question at all, but how many, you know, you said that the, you know, pediatric dentists and so on will refer them to you all. Are they, do do all seven-year-olds, I mean, or are kids around that age, do most of them get referred or is it only if they have, you know, an underbite or an overbite or something like you said, oh, sure. maybe a crowding issue or something that was obviously going to be a problem for later or do they generally speaking now, are they referring all kids at that age? No, they're not referring all kids at, at that age. I will tell you to, to give uh, props to our dental community, at least here in Dunwoody. We have some of the most fabulous pediatric dentists and general practitioners who are in our community that are able to look at the, the, the oral facial complex and see how the teeth are coming in and know like this is a, a really good time to, to send a patient over. So it makes my job easier. It makes the, the parents' job easier because again, they don't have to schedule necessarily come in for that orthodontic visit. But you know, when they're on the cusp, no pun intended, you know, they, <laughs> they send them over and then we can give an evaluation. It happened as example today. We had a patient come in for a recall exam, meaning I saw them six months ago for the first time, checking in again to making, make sure that baby teeth are falling out when they're supposed to. And the parent asked me, are they ready for treatment now? And I said, here's the reason why they're not ready for treatment. Um, and then I had a caveat that said, but if they're socially concerned about their teeth, there's things that we can do. And the parent's like, no, no, no. Totally confident about their smile. We just need to make sure that there's a functional need or a space deficiency or some other breathing issue. We, we get into breathing issues when it comes to 
narrow jaws. It, 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 um, that believe it or not, the, the roof of the mouth is actually the floor of the nose. So if you expand the maxilla, make it wider, you get more air intake through your nose. And so patients can, can, can breathe better. So, you know, we, we've got a lot of different sciences that, that we're looking in. Dentists in this community are magnificent in getting patients to us when they, they need to be. And if a patient comes in and it was, they, tr they moved here, they, their old dentist or former dentist didn't, um, didn't catch it, then you know we're taking an X-ray and we're evaluating what's going on, and it's typically never too late to do something. But if we can catch something early, that's a major problem. Major crowding, cross bites. We don't want patients to develop asymmetries. We don't want an upper jaw to be too narrow, and then makes the lower jaw shift to one side, causing one side of the jaw to grow longer or stay shorter than another side. So we really want to try to normalize those things in, in the elementary school year. So second, third, fourth grade, fifth grade, there's a lot of transition with teeth, sixth, seventh, eighth also transition. But as we know, and, and I'm talking about those of us who may have birthdays um, where the last two digits of the year are in this uh, seven something or eight something, right? Um, <laughs> okay, you just called me right out. <laughs> yeah, those folks, me too. Those folks, like we went into the dentist, most of us went to the dentist around seventh grade, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, and, and the, I mean, to the orthodontist and the orthodontist started doing their work at that time, teeth were removed, um, you know, we were wearing headgear. There was a lot of stuff that went on back then that, we really try. We were traumatized by that, and we're trying to prevent <laughs> our own children from having to go through that. So, if we have the ability not to extract teeth, then we're going to take advantage of that time when they're younger and and most pliable. I mean, these kids are squishy and cute, and and you know you they they, they just are easy to to physically manipulate the jaws when they're much younger, and as they get older. Um, it becomes a lot more difficult. So, you know, that early phase of treatment gives us a lot of advantage to take a body that isn't set and really sculpt it and create and design smiles and design space so that they can have a much easier time in their second phase of treatment, right? And so, you know, it doesn't mean that the second phase is going to be shorter, it just means that their second phase won't have this particular problem because there are things in, in first phase that we really can't address specifically or address well, specifically front to back issues. So if a lower jaw is too far back or an upper jaw is too far forward or vice versa, we're, we're typically much better at correcting those in, in later years um, when the body is going through their growth spurt. And that's a real critical piece. So that's a topic for another, another day talking about, uh, <laughs> teen, teen and adult treatment. But, but right now, you know, getting the ability to have that patient in and help them stop sucking their thumb and encouraging them and explaining to them, say, Hey, take a look at these pictures. And we show pictures to all of our patients. Take a look at these pictures. What do you see that's wrong? And the patient will point it out and say, do you want to continue with it like this or do you want to get it fixed? And now they're on board. They, they own it because I can't care more about their treatment than they do. They have to care the most. And I can just be the Sherpa to guide them in the, in the right way to be able to get to, to, to their destination. So, yeah. Well, you have answered our question. Does my seven-year-old, well, maybe not my seven-year-old since I don't have one anymore, but... <laughs> 
but it, it's just, and that has to help parents out some because you know even like the you know the my story I shared about my brother earlier, it, both of my children were complete opposites, you know, in the way their orthodontic treatment was, you know, they just, they both had completely different mouths and completely different issues. You know, we're back to that issues word again. <laughs> and my kids' mouths did have a few issues, <laughs> but they, you know, so it, it helps us as parents, you know, know when to the right time to seek treatment is. Yeah. Um, and, and to, if nothing else, like you said, begin developing that relationship with their orthodontist so yeah i think don't be shy at all to ask your dentist say hey you know does my child need to see an orthodontist and the dentist jump right on it and say you know what maybe not right now let's take a look at, at their next cleaning and and evaluate then or you know maybe this would be the right time and and you partnering you being the the, the listener partnering partnering with your your dentist really shows a nice bond and, and connection and the trust that you guys have. So I, I would encourage you to do that if you have young ones and you and you haven't gotten that information yet. Yeah, that's so even without a referral from a dentist or a pediatric dentist, you know, um, I guess they can call you and make an appointment sure. if they are just curious sure. as well. So <laughs> they don't Absolutely. have to wait but on that referral. <laughs> you do not have to wait on the referral, but it's always good to have your your oral team together and working together uh, for, for comprehensive care. And that's that's how we all really like to work. And we complement each other, meaning the orthodontist complements what's going on with the dentist and the dentist helps the orthodontist get to the goals that we need to as well. So we like, we like partnership. It's really, really amazing. Absolutely. I and mean, you are a wonderful partner to Dunwoody Neighbors. We appreciate you. your content so much. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being here again with us today, Dr. Kaplan. It has been a pleasure as always. I really appreciate these opportunities, Stacey. It's always great to see you and, and being able to reach out to the listeners. Uh, I can't wait to hear this program myself. Well, that's all for today's episode, Atlanta. I'm Stacey Risley with the Good Neighbor Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and for supporting the local businesses and nonprofits of our great community. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast North Atlanta. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnpnorthatlanta.com. That's gnpnorthatlanta.com or call 470-946-7007.